0: All right, Judges chapter number 16 tonight. Judges chapter number 16. Uh, Last week, uh, we were speaking on the subject of toying with temptation. And uh, we talked about the life of Samson, how he went to Gaza and saw a harlot and went in unto her, it said, and uh, how the word got back to uh, the folks of that town that the Philistines, uh, they were there and they came and tried to surround him and tried to stop him while he was there and uh, he was able to escape by uh, taking the, um, the gates of the city uh, out of there and we're going to talk about some of these things uh, a little bit tonight uh, in this passage of scripture but we're going to have a different spin tonight on something that we're going to mention uh, Delilah and I know there's nothing that we should follow after in the life of Delilah but there is one thing that she had about her that caused Samson to yield. And it's something that we ought to have an attribute in our life. And we'll show you that here in just a minute. Judges chapter number 16 and verse number 10 is where we're going to start. We'll read down through verse number 17. It says, And Delilah said unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me, and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If they bind me fast with new ropes they never, that, that never were occupied, then shall I be weak. ...and be as another man. Delilah therefore took new robes and bound him therewith... ...and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And there were liars in wait, abiding in the chamber. And he brake uh, them from off his arms as a thread, or like a thread. And Delilah said unto Samson, Hitherto thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with the web... And she fastened it with a pin, and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awaked out of his sleep and went away with the pin of the beam and with the web. And she said unto him, How canst thou say I love thee when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times and hast not told me there wherein is uh, thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him, so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart, and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Here in this passage of Scripture, Samson, we know he was toying with temptation in the early part of it, we know that he came in unto Delilah and all of these things uh, that are taking place. And uh, Samson is fulfilling the lust of his flesh, the lust of his eyes, and the pride of life in his heart. And now here they're trying to get Delilah to find the secret of Samson's strength. Listen, I don't believe that Samson walk or, walked around looking like a bodybuilder. I believe that they were not really sure where his strength came from because somebody like Samson probably shouldn't have been as strong as he was. And they're looking saying, well, how can Samson be this strong? We have to find the secret of his strength. And you and I both know that the strength that Samson possessed was not that of human strength, but that of supernatural strength. He had a strength that came from Almighty God. The fact of the matter is, in our life, there's... Uh, only the only strength that we're ever able to possess that's going to help us to defeat the enemies as Samson had done in his life so far was supernatural kind of strength. And we're going to talk about some of this, but there was something about Delilah that she just kept going and kept going and kept going and would not let this thing rest until she saw results. And that's something you and I need to take to our mind. You say, well, we can learn from every situation, can't we? And according to the Bible, God placed it here for a purpose. Oh, we ought not to be like Delilah was, uh, a wicked person, but we ought to have some persistence in our life. Some persistence in our Christian life. And I'm going to talk to you about that subject this evening and persistence in the life of a believer. Persistence in the life of a believer. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the day. Thank you for the opportunity to get in your word tonight. Lord, we ask you, please, to use the message Speak to our hearts, and Lord, we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Here Samson is now. He is in here with Delilah. And uh, I believe Samson took for granted the strength that Samson had. You say, why? Because I think he thought nothing would ever happen to him. Samson thought that God had spared him so much and that nothing would ever happen, nothing would ever harm him. And he was be kind of making a game out of this whole thing with Delilah. She comes to him, and she says, hey... Uh, what's the secret to your strength? Please tell me. She said this, wherewith thou mightest be bound. So here's the thing. What she's saying is, what can I bind you up with that's going to cause you to not have strength? And you know what? Satan does that same thing to us, doesn't he? He comes to us and he's like, hey, there's something I know about your life that I'm going to try to get you to to, to be bound. And he's mocking it like, okay, well, if you bind me with new ropes that have never been used, then uh, I'll be just like any other man. And she binds him. And then she says, hey, the Philistines are on me. Hey, the enemy's here. He jumps up and he breaks the ropes like they're just thread. And she begins to cry and uh, and weep and say, I thought you uh, loved me. I thought you cared about me, Samson. You're lying and all of this stuff. And then she said, really, what, what is the secret to your strength? And he says, well, if you'll uh, braid my hair and these things, and you'll uh, put it into a a, a pin and hold it up there. And she fastens it to this beam. And listen, everything she says she's going to try to do to bind him, she does. And he keeps going back for more. He keeps going back for it. Isn't that just like our lives? You know, Satan does something to us, and uh, God spares us, we get the victory. And then he says, hey, well, I'm going to try it this way. And we just go right back to it, knowing that they're going to do it. I mean, she tried the first one. She tried to bind him with new ropes, and now here she is. She weaves his hair into this beam and all this stuff. And now he gets up, and he drags the beam with him and everything else. And she's crying and mocking him and all this stuff. And then she really comes to him and really begins to put the pressure on. And she says in verse 16, that she pressed him daily with her words. She pressed him daily with her words. She was very persistent to get some results done. You understand, if we're ever going to have results in the Christian life, we need to be persistent in our walk with God. If we're ever going to see results in our city, in Martinsburg, West Virginia, we need to have some persistence in our life. There's some areas that I believe that we ought to have in our life that we ought to be persistent in that we're going to talk about here tonight. Firstly, I believe that if you're going to uh, do anything for God, there's going to be, you got to have some persistence in bringing our body under subjection. Bringing our body under subjection. Take your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. If you've been in church any length of time, it's a, a familiar passage of scripture. Paul's writing the church of Corinth, and he's talking to them uh, about some things in this this passage. And he says in verse number twenty seven, he says, "But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway." He's saying, "Listen, if I'm going to do anything for God, I've got to be persistent in this area." Of learning to control myself. Learning to put my body into subjection. I've got to understand, I've got to learn how to control my flesh. See, Samson hadn't learned that. Samson hadn't learned how to control his flesh. You remember all the way back in chapter 14 and all that stuff, the early part, where he went to Timnath? And he saw that woman there in Timnath and he told his parents, get her for me. All the stuff. There was a lot of things in Samson's life. He just did not know how to control Samson. But if we're ever going to make anything out of our Christian life, we're going to be successful in our Christian life. we got to learn to be persistent in the area of bringing the body under subjection. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, I die daily. You know what he was saying is I have to persistently deny the flesh So that the spirit can have control in my life. Listen, if you're going to be a success, if you're going to have victory as a believer, you need to have that mindset where you're willing to deny the flesh and put God first. We preached on that this morning about living faith that God needs to be the object of our faith. He needs to be the one we focus on. And in my life and in your life, we have to learn some self-control. We've got to learn how to say the word no. Because Satan's going to come after you with temptation. Satan's going to come at you in every area that he can. And if you read in James 1, 13 through 16, he says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. It said, When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, sin when it is finished, Bring it forth death. But then it says, do not err, my beloved brother." And you know what it's saying? You learn to have some self-control that even when temptation's coming about you, don't allow that lust to be conceived just like it was in Samson's life that's going to end up in destruction and disaster. Learn to tell yourself no. Learn to tell yourself no. We have to have some self-control. We got to learn to bring our body under subjection. I think oftentimes there's things in our life that we just haven't learned to say no to. We know that they're wrong. We know that God doesn't want us to do it as his child. Our body's the temple of the Lord. We know that we're not supposed to do certain things, but we just don't have enough control to say no. You know how you learn to have enough control to say no is you relinquish control. You say, what do you mean? You give it to the Lord. He needs to have complete control. When he has complete control of your life, it's not your life to do with what you want. It's his life to use you and how he wants to use you. we got to bring our body into subjection. we got to learn to have that control in our life. Samson didn't have any control. If you read through the passage of what takes place in Samson's life, because he didn't have any self-control, not only did he lose his strength, but he began to get blind. And he was bound and grinding at the mill, and he ended up, a prisoner and a slave to the enemy because he just did not know how to bring his body into subjection. You understand that you, you may think you have strength. You may think you're strong enough. You know, in my uh, my life as a pastor, there's times I talk to people, and you know what they say? Hey, preacher, that won't ever affect me. Just I'm strong enough to deal with that. And those are dangerous words. Because you understand, nobody in this room is strong enough to resist the devil on their own. You've got to have the power and the presence of the Lord. Jesus himself, who was God in the flesh, when Satan came to him and tempted him three times in the wilderness, what did he say to, the, to Satan? It is written. It is written. It is written. He gives us the tool that we need to fight against Satan, and that is the word of God. We need to be a student of the word so that we learn to deny the flesh and allow the spirit to to rule in our life. So we have bringing our body into subjection, and we kind of got into this a little bit. But if we're going to be persistent as a believer, we need to be persistent in the area of bringing our body into subjection. Secondly, in beating back satanic temptation. We talked about that with the word of God. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 and 9 says this, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9 says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Knowing that the same afflictions are are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Listen, we're going to have the afflictions that the world has. The temptation of the devil is going to come and all this stuff. But the Bible says this, Whom resist steadfastly. You know what, we need to be persistent in just telling Satan no, resisting the devil, and the Bible says he will what? Flee from you. Why is it that Satan doesn't flee from us? Because when he comes, we say, okay, Satan, I'm ready in my own strength. And then he gives us the knockout, doesn't he? But you know what, when Satan comes, if, if we begin to say, hey, Satan, it is written, it is written, it is written, Satan will go, whoa. I don't like that. Why? Because that's what Satan fears. Satan fears the word of God. If we'll just be strong in the Lord and in the word of God, we have an opportunity to beat back that satanic temptation and say, hey, get away from me. God doesn't want me to do that. God doesn't want me to do that. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians to put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. You know what? He didn't tell you to pick and choose what armor you want to put on. You've got to put on the whole armor of God. Because if you forget one aspect of the armor, Satan's going to get you in that spot. Satan's going to come after you in that area. You've got to put on the whole armor of God. Learn to beat back satanic temptations. He says to be sober and to be vigilant. That means to be aware of what's going on. Remember two Sundays ago we preached in the morning on not being ignorant in our faith. Let's not be ignorant of Satan's devices. Satan is a roaring lion trying to devour your life. Satan's not trying to play games with you. You understand that. Satan wasn't trying to play games with Samson either. He was trying to destroy Samson. And he ended up succeeding very well. Because Satan, uh, Samson didn't learn how to have any self-control, bring his body under subjection. He didn't learn how to beat back that satanic temptation and tell him no. Listen, Satan is on the warpath. What, what things are supposed to be good in society today are not... Uh, they think the bad ought to be good and the good is bad. And they kind of reverse all of these things. And they think, oh, that is what is unclean and unholy is right and just for us to do. That's not the case. The Bible said sin is sin. And God does not love sin. In fact, God hates sin. But God loves the sinner. And aren't you glad that when Satan comes, we have an opportunity, we have a weapon... To combat against Satan with. To beat him back away. And that's in the power of the Lord. With the word of God. And if you put on that whole armor of God. He talks about in the sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. But then he says this. Praying always. With all prayer and supplication. You know our president declared today. A national day of prayer. A national day of prayer. Aren't you glad that even though I don't agree with everything the president does. That at least he's saying hey we need to go to God in prayer for our country today. I think we need to learn, once again, how to pray. You know why? Because that helps us to beat back that satanic temptation in our life. You learn how to pray. Learn how to get in touch with God. Learn how to talk to the Lord. This is a time in our life where we have to learn what it means to pray. I'm not talking about, um, yeah, Lord, bless this food that we're about to eat. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm talking about learn how to pray. Learn how to pray. Why? Because our spiritual s- success depends on it. Depends on prayer. Bible reading. That's the only way that we're going to be able to beat back the satanic temptation. So persistence in the life of a believer. You've got to bring your body into subjection. you got to learn to beat back satanic temptation. you got to learn to bear chastisement and suffering. Bear the chastisement and suffering. Hebrews twelve seven says, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chastened not? Take your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse 12. The Bible says, it says, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus might sometimes suffer persecution. It doesn't say that. It says, yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You understand in the life of a believer there's going to have to be some persistence in the chastisement and the suffering that we go through. You think about the Apostle Paul when he talked about glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said in chastenings often and scourgings often and fastings often and all these things that he went through, man, being stoned and left for dead outside of Lystra and being beat uh, sometimes where he he had to walk hunched over, being in prison on multiple occasions, all of these things, but yet he was persistent through the suffering, because he understood what the final outcome was going to be. He said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. I kept the faith. You know what? He learned how to bear the chastisements and sufferings that he would face. The Bible says, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You understand, you serve the Lord at any length of time. There's going to come a day, if the Lord stays His coming, that they're going to try to come in and and, and cause us suffering because we're preaching the Word of God. They're going to try to chastise us because we're preaching the Word of God. You know what we need to do? Be persistent. Be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be persistent. In bearing the chastisements and sufferings. We've touched on this a little bit. But I want to help you with it a little bit more. Again. And be persistent in the life of believers. Bringing the body under subjection. Beating back satanic temptation. Putting on that armor of God. Bearing chastisement and suffering. Beseeching the Lord in prayer. Matthew 7. 7 and 8 says. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock. And it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth, and him that knocketh, it shall be opened. You understand that kind of prayer isn't the kind of prayer that is just like our prayers for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That is a consistent, persistent, effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. We have to continually go to God, ask, seek, Knock, keep going to God, keep persisting, keep persisting, keep persisting. As Delilah was persistent with Samson to try to get results, guess what? We need to be persistent with God. We need to say, God, we need you at this time. We need to beseech the Lord in prayer. We need to go to him and beg God to heal our land and to help us in our country. But listen, God gives you a recipe for healing in in America. Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people, which are called by my name, will, key word here, humble themselves and pray. You notice what he said before prayer? It's humility. Oftentimes we go to God with demands. God, you better. Whoa, 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 dangerous ground. Don't tell God he better do anything. Say, God, we need you. God, we need you. God, I need your your help. God, our country needs you. we got to humble ourselves before God. Who do we think we are to demand anything from God? The fact is, we don't demand things from God. God demands things from us. He is the ruler, not not us. When we look at God and say, God, you better do this, you're trying to say that God ought to be in subjection to you. Not you be in subjection to God. That's not humble prayers. That's prideful prayers. And God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Well, you know what we need to do is say, Lord, I'm a wretch. I'm, I'm nothing. God, I'm a sinner, not even deserving of your salvation, but God, thank you for saving me. God, I know that you're a holy and a righteous God, but God, I'm coming to you this morning broken with a desire in my heart to see our land healed, to see people saved, to see this need uh, met. And Lord, I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep seeking. I'm going to keep knocking. Lord, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to be persistent. Why? Because he said that fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And he said this, the last part of that verse, For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Shall be opened. We talked about that believing type prayer. Believing type prayers. Talking to God. Like he mentioned about Elijah this morning in Sunday school. Could you imagine having enough confidence in God to pray down fire from heaven? I mean, Elijah knew God was going to do it. He knew God was going to do it. He told those prophets of Baal, hey, maybe your God's asleep. Call a little louder. He was mocking, doing all those things. But when it came time for him to pray, you know what he said? We're going to show you how powerful God is. I know God's going to do it because I'm going to ask, I'm going to seek I'm going to knock, not for my gain, but so God can be glorified. He said, guys, dump some water on that thing. You know what? Do it again. And then he calls down fire from heaven. He asks God to send fire so that God can be glorified. God sends down fire from heaven, consumes the altar, consumes the water, consumes it all. And God was shown to be all-powerful. You know why? It wasn't because Elijah demanded something from God. It was because Elijah went to God with a heart to show everybody around him that God was supreme. And listen, we need to go not to God not for our benefit, not for our gain, but to show that God is in control. God is in control. And listen, if we'll begin to go and pray the will of God, not demanding things from God, but asking things from God. Asking it, seeking, knocking. Be persistent in our prayer life. So you, in our this is actually going to be a two-week lesson. We got, I got several things to talk about throughout all of this, but we need to learn some persistence in the life of a believer in bringing our body into subjection and beating back that satanic temptation and bearing chastisement and suffering and beseeching the Lord in prayer, but in becoming a finisher of God's course. For your life, becoming a finisher. Let's not be a casualty. Let's not be a a quitter in the work of God. Philippians 3, verse 13 and 14 says, Brethren, I count not myself to as apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to the things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, Listen, I'm pressing forward for that prize. I'm going forward for the cause of Christ. I'm going to become a finisher of the work. Well, how do we become a finisher of the work as we follow the author and finisher of our faith? We talked about that this morning, having that living type faith, the object of our faith. Hebrews 12, two, that author and finisher of our faith endured the cross, despising the shame. And guess what? He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You want to finish the work? You need to follow the one who already finished the work. He said on the cross, he didn't say it's almost finished. He didn't say, oh, it'll be finished one day. He said, hanging here on the cross, guess what? It is finished. He finished the work that needed to be done. So listen, if we're walking through the life as a believer and we're persistent in things, we need to be persistent in following the Lord, who is the author and finisher of our faith. If you're ever going to be able to say, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. What you're going to be saying is, I followed Christ to the very end. I followed Christ to the very end. Not I followed Dr. Phil. Not I followed Joel Osteen. Not I followed Pastor Caldwell. Not I followed pastor so-and-so, not I followed this person, but I followed King Jesus. I followed Jesus. You know why? Because men will let you down. Men will let you down, but God will never let you down. You need to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to follow him. Pressing toward that mark for the prize of the high calling of God. I can't wait. Brother Nick even said it, how God rewards us. I can't wait to be able to have those crowns to give back to him. To show everybody around that he's king of kings and lord of lords. Man, I'm so glad for that. I can't wait for that day that I get to see my savior face to face. I can't wait for that day when that eastern sky parts and the trump sound. Or that day that I close my eyes in death, whichever one they are. Because I'm going to be absent with the body and present with the Lord because of salvation. But there's going to come a day where I get to see my savior. And you know what I want to be able to say? I finish my course. I finished my course. You know, God's given each and every one of us a job to do. He's given us all a job to do. And every believer in the world has a job to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's my job. It's your job. It's not just the staff's job at the church. It's not just the deacon's job at the church. It's every born-again child of God. And it's your job to give the gospel everyone everyone not just those that want to receive it everyone plant the seed it's our job to sow it's our job to water and God will give the increase God will give the increase but you got to become a finisher of God's course for your life there's different plans different paths that God has for different people but whatever that path is you got to finish for the Lord Finish it. Don't get halfway there and stumble and fall and then get up and say, I'm done. I'm done. I'm just going to sit on the sidelines and be finished and quit. Somebody who trains for a race and they train for a long time when they're running, if they trip and fall, most of the time they're not just going to sit there. They're going to get up and finish. Even if they're limping to the finish line, they're going to finish the race. Why? Because they trained hard for it. And listen, we're, we're pressing hard for the Lord, and we need to finish. Even though we may come out limping in the end, guess what? We need to finish our course for the Lord. we got to finish our course. Moms and dads, guess what? You need to finish for the Lord in the way that you raise your children. You say, what do you mean? I'm going to have a holy home. I'm going to have a righteous home. I'm going to have a godly home where those kids know how to find God. And you keep on going. When they get out on their own, their choices are theirs. But while they're in your home, understand this. They, you ought to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You got to finish that part. You say, well, it's already too late for me. I got saved later in life. Guess what? You can still be a testimony for getting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. You can't change the past. But you can change the future. You can change the future and you can finish your course for the Lord. You young people, listen, there's going to come times, there's going to be Delilahs in your life. Whatever they may be. That's going to try to cause you to turn away from God. They're going to try to find out the source of your strength and get rid of that source of strength so that they can devour your life. You know what you need to learn how to do? Say no. Resist. Resist that press on for god and finish your course for him finish your course for him listen i'm not telling anybody in here to be like delilah but delilah knew that if she was persistent she would eventually get samson to yield you know what though if we're persistent guess what we will get victory on the other side if we're persistent in serving the lord be persistent in your walk with God. There's more things we could get into. Uh, we're not going to go any further for sake of time tonight. But let me encourage you. Get some persistence about your life. We have too many fair weather Christians. We only serve God when everything's going smooth. We only serve God when there's no storms raging. We only serve God when everything looks Like it's smooth sailing, no bumps in the road, no obstacles for us to trip on, nothing like that. We just keep pressing on for God for that reason. But when the storms come, we wave that white flag and we say, "Whoa, I didn't sign up for this. See, God didn't tell you just to be a Christian when everything's going good. God didn't tell you just to be steadfast and unmovable until you don't feel like fighting anymore. He said be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Don't quit. Don't give in. Why? They that run a race run all. But one receiveth the prize. Listen, you got to keep fighting. Keep fighting for the Lord. Satan wants to destroy our families. He wants to destroy our churches. He wants to do all that. You know what we need to do? Just keep pressing on. Keep pressing on. Keep pressing on. When you stumble and fall, you get back up. You wipe the dust of this world off of you. And you keep on going. You ask God to forgive you, and you just keep on pressing on for God. You trip up and fall again. You get up, keep wiping the dust off of you, and keep going back on for God. Just don't quit. Don't quit, and you will cross the finish line. You will succeed in the Christian life if you just learn some persistence. Don't quit. Don't give in. Because guess what? Satan won't. Satan won't, and Satan's army won't. You know what I realized in the world? That Satan hasn't backed up one step. In fact, he's increasing more and more. Pushing forward, pushing forward, pushing forward. Because you know what his goal is? To stop as many people from going to heaven as he possibly can. But you know what we need to do is resist it. Push back against it fight against it, see, see people saved and lives change and push back against the devil and push back against the devil and push back against the devil. Why? Because there's going to come a day that we win with Christ. Just be persistent. With our heads back.